Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Okay. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Okay. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors at Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I'm not the founder of anything. <laughs> well, I think uh, that's absolutely correct. <laughs> also... Lee could not, I don't. I think Lee could not think of a third way to make the two syllables "okay" be pronounced differently. Sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we're, we're, I thought we were gonna do our own. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Kind of just yeah. go, <laughs> let's go through it and really look at the performance angles. But that's enough of that because I have to declare an emergency. What? Because wow. something has recently been brought to my attention in the news, and you, you guys are listening to this a week after we recorded, so it's probably not a hot story anymore. But. Apparently, as a group of white Christian men, we can just issue statements about things we don't like. Ooh. And people have to, like, pretend it has something to do with the Bible. And, like, wow, there's a whole movement. Okay. It's Mm. crazy. So, like, you know, there's a thing that, say, the Bible talks about a lot, but I don't want to do it. Issue a statement. Issue a statement and be like, "This, this doesn't uphold our values. Ah, Okay. So I didn't even know we had the superpower as white Christian men. But sure. Apparently, I've, but apparently we do, and I feel like we're not exploiting it enough. Sure. No, that's great. Like, this is a racket we need to get in on. Yes. So what you're saying is, if there's anyone in the world that doesn't believe exactly what I believe, I can issue a statement yes. of uh, disagreement and, and like just zing them with it. Yes. Yep. Yes. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty powerful. Because so, then, like, what happens after that? Well, the Christianity Today writes an article, and, you know, mm. people are like, well, you know, it seems like the Bible talks about this a lot, but maybe they got a point, too, because right. it's a statement. Oh. That's the thing. We do a lot of griping on this show. Right, yeah. And a lot of complaining and a lot of condemning. Mm. Right. But we never put out statements. And it feels like that's yeah. the magic that gets people yeah. to be like, well, this is very serious. Right. Yeah, like, we're we're, in a way... We've been prepping for this our whole lives. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm ready to do this. I have an idea where we can begin. Oh, Take please. it away. The say that statement against forgiving our enemies. Oh, wow. Man, I don't want to do that. Those guys are jerks. Right. Have you met my enemies? Well, yeah, I, I hate those guys. I don't right? forgive them. Yeah, that, does, that doesn't even sound right. It doesn't, and I don't want to. Right. Now, side note, my enemies still got to forgive me, though. Oh, yeah. So, sure. That makes sense. I mean, all Clearly. this applies to people who don't like us. They yeah, have to do it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But henceforth, we affirm. Is that how we do it? Sure. sure. Yeah, I think, I think so. That's good. Yeah. We affirm that we, the Say That Podcast, are not required to love or forgive or pray for our enemies. Right. Yes. Yep. Man, I felt great. That felt awesome. A little that, heretical. And by that, I mean like a lot heretical. Directly right. heretical. But great. But apparently, that's what we're doing now. <laughs> yeah, if, you, if it's a statement... You can just put whatever you want in there. Right. Right. Well, you know, uh, I've got one. Hit me. Politics. Ooh, okay. So it's like, I haven't, it hasn't come together in my mind, but it's like, your politics aren't what my politics are, and you know what? That ain't right. I hate you. Right. Yes. And you should not, what, what you say and do and feel and think is wrong. Yes. So yes. You it and it, here's another thing. Just bullet point this. Yeah. Slippery slope. Yes. Okay. I don't wow. know exactly. How like that you're, you're working more on a meta level. We may narrow yeah. some of these down. Well, I, yeah. I think I may be able to hit the the elements that you want. Yeah. With with oh, something you know, that you know fits the the statement format. It's a statement against having to watch my tongue. Oh, right. Very right. good. So we, the Say That Podcast, affirm that just we, not you, the listener, just sure. we, don't have to watch what we say anymore. Yeah. We should right. just say whatever we think at all times with no consequences. And, and yeah, the no consequences part is the key. Yes. You well, have to just deal with it. Yes. And I also like how Glenn just uh, makes a statement with like kind of a headline, and then he just leaves it up to you to go ahead and fill in the rest. You know what you did. Right. 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 You know? Right, right. And I, th- I think that's a good way to do, because I think people's, you know, just kind of guilt and stuff like that will go ahead and kind of fill in the gaps. And I, I kind of have a statement, I think, that needs to be made, which is, I feel like the four guys on this podcast, our statement is, we have the right to look at 
all of the uh, all of the specks in our brother's eye, and we don't have to worry about the logs coming out of our eyes. Right. But not nobody out there can look at any of the specks in our eyes. They gotta watch out for the logs in their eyes. In other words, we don't have to worry about what's what needs to be taken care of in us. We get to just fix everybody else. Yeah, right. younger totally. knocks it out of the that's, park. That's Damn. what I'm talking about. But seriously, you guys don't judge us. Yeah, spouses don't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's bad. You that's can't, mean. You can't judge us. Yeah, no, we're great. Right. I, I think this is all very good. Here, what's all this crap I hear about generosity? Yeah, right? Yeah, that makes no sense. I think uh, to say that statement in favor of miserdom. Yeah. I get Because you got to be positive every once yes. in a while. I keep all my money. Yes. What's mine is mine. Right. Also, what's yours is mine. Right. It's still important for you guys to give, though, because that's, that's God's money. Yes. Yeah. He owns the cattle on a thousand dollars. Look, tithing's important. Yes. Tithing is very important. Uh, and you have to be responsible. For you. For you. And uh, we, we give a portion of our budget to missions because sure. zero is a portion. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people out there are are saying, well, why can't I issue a statement? Well, I bet you wish you'd thought of that now. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Well, I, I have a question uh, on this. I'm familiar with a church that took their missions budget and spent it on a new sound system. Uh-huh. With the idea of, well, I mean, that'll bring in new people. So right. it's, it's kind of like doing missions. Sure. Given they disrupted missions. They will disru- bring the people in here. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes, very, very innovative, yeah. Given that, I mean, I like stereo equipment. I mm. like listening to music. The money that I was going to give to, to God's work, can I just spend that on stereo equipment now? Definitely. It's the same thing. Okay. Well, I think if you call it the Bowers and Wilkins statement, that sounds pretty <laughs> pretty <laughs> theological. Here, here's what I'm saying. <laughs> Because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it around. Hit me. Oh. Here's what you get your stereo. Yes. Right? Plug it in. Yes. You, know, you dial it up and you blast that sucker. That's right. For Jesus. Yeah, totally. Sure. Your neighbors hear it. Yes. Irritated. Right. Come over to complain. Right. Boom. Missions. Ah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I, I have made an impact. <laughs> right. So you're, you're talking you're, about a ministry of missionary annoyance. Here's what it, it's a conversation starter. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure, yes. We're getting things going. That's Could- a missional noise ordinance. <laughs> so it's like, if you heard this stereo yes. in your house, and you died tonight yes. from the wow. sound pressure wave yes. of it, yes. something, yes. burst your eardrum, and you know got in your brain or something. Yes. Embolism? Sure, yes. That's that's uh, something. It's a thing. Okay. Then if you but if you died because of the how loud the stereo is, yeah, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Whoa, see what I'm saying? And Missions. I think that transitions us into the say that statement in favor of manipulation, but only we get to do it. Yes, yes. Wow, it was like manipulation's bad, and you mm-hmm. know, scare tactics and the slippery slopes. Glenn's talking about mm-hmm. it was all you strong arming and all that, and that's mm-hmm. bad, right? Except when we do it. Yes. Right. Because we have things we want. Right. And if people don't give it to us, we have to manipulate them. That's correct. Gimme, 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 gimme. Right. That's a statement. That's also a very (laughs) conclusive and far-ranging statement, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Like, uh, if you died tonight and you didn't bake us any cookies. Yes. Do you wow. know for sure? Do you know for sure <laughs> that you would get into heaven? Yes. Now you if say, you, is that manipulation? You, yeah, but, yeah, you but know, we're allowed. Them cookies. We're allowed. If you died tonight and you didn't leave a review on this podcast, yeah. do you know for sure? Because yes. we need a certain amount of reviews to pay the mortgage on this podcast building. Yes. And That's, if we don't get it, then uh, I think you see the bind we're in. Yeah. What we've almost created here is, is a double O style program. You know, where where Bond right. and his other compatriots had a license to kill. Right. We have a license to manipulate. Right. Yes. It's well, I think that brings that opens up a whole new venue to us because really the the underlying thing, which the subtext we could make text. Yes. Of all these statements is these things in the Bible, those are fine for you non specials. Yes. Like, you know, the Bible says like justice is good. But right. what you don't understand is Justice might slightly inconvenience me. Right. And clearly God doesn't want that. Right. So the thing is, you just don't understand. So that's why we've got to put out this statement 
about why we are so Christian that we know justice is bad. Right. Well, okay, there's that. Here's what I'm circling back to. The movie Licensed to Manipulate. Yes. Yeah. I want to see that Christian movie, because it's a Christian movie. Oh, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) You know, pastor, the angel comes down. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Pastor's in his study. Because he's not out there, you know, getting anybody saved. Well, he's but. shopping for sound systems he's going to buy with the missions budget. We, he's in go. here where his books protect him from the weirdos. <laughs> right, that's right. Exactly right. So a little too Of course real. I'm good okay. at ministry. Look at my mini books. <laughs> <laughs> so real. So here's what happens. that the, the, the angel comes down and gives him a, a license to manipulate. Yes, because it's like he wants to manipulate. Yes. Because he's, you know, he's yes. buying stereo equipment with Right. The, yes. That's, you know. So he, he, he prays, Lord, send me an angel with a, you know, yeah. like a document. You sign it. Right. License to manipulate. Yes. And then he goes out. Yes. And just manipulates like crazy. I love it. I love it. In the spirit of Roger Moore era James Bond, is there a scene in this movie where a mysterious diver gets on shore in a full dry suit, unzips it, steps out, and it's the full pastor robes with yeah. the stole and everything? Yeah. yeah. And he just walks into the church to start yeah. manipulating? Yeah. 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 He's, he's, uh, he's got like a, one of the a parachute with a yes. thing. Yes. And he lands in the thing and then the. Thing. Yeah. Uh, the choir robe. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Well, then we have to have the M scene okay. where he gets all his his past his manipulation gadgets. Yes, that's right, where he right, gets right, his right, props. Right. Yeah, from yeah, the yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These he's got these. he's got like the the what do you call the thing with the thing? The, you got to do more. Than, <laughs> I need more details than that. You know the little shepherd's crook thing. There you the, go. Yeah, sure. yeah, totally. Wow. And then you pull it out, and it's a it's a manipulation blade. Yes. I don't know what that would be. I but, think that's fantastic. <laughs> you know. If you had I think a, a manipulation blade is just a blade. Right. If you start pointing <laughs> swords at people, way. they'll probably do what you want. That's what it's for. Or we're going it? for a little yes. more subtlety than yes. that yes. in this that's game. No, it's, it's like it's like the it's it's something to do with the with the Eucharist, you know, because you oh, only yeah. get it if you've you know if you've if you've done the manip- manipulation piece. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, I think you know you, you it's just you know the, the the M of this universe walking them through. You know, these skinny jeans are made of a composite that you know. It totally deflects reasonable criticism. Right, and right. If you sell this many books, if you pile up this many book sales, no conflicting of your own actions can get out. Ooh. Yeah, you push this button and it shoots a criticism out, you know. And the, the, <laughs> you right. pu- push this, it gets, it's, a guilt trip happens, you know. That's right. We've outfitted this Ferrari LaFerrari with the height of technological innovation a Jesus fish. Oh. Now no one can question you driving it. Ah. It's a part of your missions budget. Uh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Pastor, I noticed that there's a $5,000 a month in here for missions oil. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It seems odd. Mm. I, I think we've got it. I think it, it's y'all. great. I think we nailed it. A license yeah. to manipulate. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to get ready to declare emergency. Before I do, I just want to reiterate that there's a lot of things the Bible says about the way you should live, right. yes. about the way you should interact with your fellow man, about the way that people who live as what it calls children of the light, who've been forgiven of their many sins, should live a life where they take, take burdens off others, where they show this joyous, freeing message of the gospel. But that's for you people. Yes. Right. right. We got stuff we like uh-huh. that we don't want to give up. Right. You need to sacrifice right. the things you like. Definitely. Because they're dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, and you're dumb for liking them. You're, and right. you're dumb for liking them. We as middle-aged white men, uh, the things we like are inherently holy. Yep. The things that make us uncomfortable are inherently evil. Right. We don't need to look at it any further than that. Yeah. So uh, if you could all just stop it. Yeah. We uh, affirmed. We affirm emergency off. I think we did a lot of good there. Yeah, yeah I feel good about that. That feels great. You guys hear lightning in the distance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, uh, even us being that satirically heretical made us nervous. So, you know, <laughs> just putting it out there, folks who signed some very real documents. Yeah, for real. But one thing we do put out every month, which we continue to affirm and, uh, you know, put out as a mission statement is Bridgebox. And uh, we there's no statements in Bridgebox. There's nope. no... No, no manifestos, no thoughts about what we're just trying to help the people with questions. Uh, so this we're talking about, and this may tie into uh, what we just talked about a little bit there. How do I still love someone when I've lost all respect for them? <laughs> no, 
Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, Funny that. That, uh, that kind of lines up. It really does. <laughs> we get songs from uh, from Jed, from Lee, uh, s- sermons from Glenn and myself, Bible studies, all sorts of great stuff. MissionUSA.com slash Bridge It's only $8 a month. It is the number one way that folks who like the podcast can uh, help support what we're doing up here in Chicago with Lee doing down there in Tennessee. MissionUSA.com slash Bridge All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang on this. All the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch. This first question comes in anonymously, and it says, I know I should get to know someone before I judge them, but sometimes it's like I already hate this person without even really knowing what's up. I know that's wrong, but I can't help it. Plus, it feels like they already hate me. How can I change this and be more Christian about it? And this is actually a uh, a question that came up at our bridge service uh, last week. And uh, But uh, uh, our friend Pete, as opposed to learning myself, so oftentimes I'll, Double use these bridge uh, questions when you're not going to hear them on the bridge podcast and get to hear our thoughts on them. And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Because this is obviously is a uh, thing that our men and women at the bridge deal with. You know, it's it's a a slightly judgy environment in a lot of, you know, residential drug rehabs, Mm -hmm. bars. There's a lot of, you know, you have all day to kind of sit around and observe other people. You're in very close quarters, you're getting annoyed by them. But I think that definitely applies to, to all of us. What are some basics about this idea of? I know I shouldn't judge, but I'm going to. Well, that's a great question, first and foremost, because I think we we all have a way of telling ourselves we're not judgmental whilst we're doing it pretty pretty heavily. Uh, It's funny you mentioned the bridge service. We we had uh, a a younger, newer guy who's preaching uh, on this uh, topic at the bridge, and you know, the, the, there's always a bit of a trap for preachers when there's a lot of Bible verses on that, so they want to dive into that, then they want to preach all of the little factoids they learned about those Bible verses, and it kind of all goes in a circle because you're not really answering the question. And I think he was kind of, he had a lot of that in his head, and I, I stopped him just before he was going on to preach, and I could see that, you know, he was concerned on a certain level, and I said, uh, why do you think people judge somebody why do you think people do that and i mean he didn't think about it for more than about a second and a half and he he looked at me and he said because it makes them feel good about themselves Mm. i said there's your sermon just go up and say that because that whole room will all know exactly what you're talking about that's why we do it it's important to know why you're doing something if you want to (laughs) curtail it and do a little less of it uh, the truth is, it feels awesome judging other people, looking down on them, uh, because you get tired of feeling crappy about yourself. Right. If it turns out all these people are jerks and stupid, <laughs> then it's like, oh, I just kind of felt high a little bit right now, just thinking about how everyone's stupid, you know. And um, I think what that graduates into is a uh, excuse-making behavior and thinking and and getting into an avoidance of dealing with my own issues. If I, if I look at politics and I say, all oh, this is terrible and all these people are stupid and whatever, well, then that means there's no point in me doing anything about it. If I look at my job and all the people are jerks, I look at my church and all these people are jerks and I'm, I'm looking down on them and I'm condemning them and all those things— it puts me in a position where it doesn't matter whether I do what I'm supposed to do because all these other people are going to mess it up. And there's a seduction to that. There's a sense of, uh, I, I have hard changes I, I need to make. I, need, I have right causes I need to stand up for. I need to, to you know, do, fulfill God's calling and purpose in my life. And it matters. And it matters whether anybody else is on board, whether anybody else agrees with it, whether anybody else is doing what they're supposed to be doing on, on their side of things. But if we get in this mindset of everybody else is being a jerk and that will just drown out whatever goodness God wants for me to be doing, then we're going to end up not doing that thing. Uh, last thing I'm going to leave you with, I want you to think about this. What would it be like for you to live in a totally judgmental free zone where you're not judging anyone and you're not receiving any judgment from other people? They may trying to be trying to put it on you, but you're, you know, what would that be like? I think most Christians, if they were going to answer that question honestly, they would say, if I was living in a judgmental-free zone, it would just be chaos and madness and sin. 
because there wouldn't be any condemning of sin anywhere. I think if you were in a judgmental-free zone, you would be freed up from all that negativity and all that bitterness to figure out what can I do to move forward? What can I do to help other people move forward? How can I serve other people? I'm freed up to love. I'm freed up to to see myself in a humble light. I think living in a judgmental-free zone is more peace and more happiness for you, mm-hmm. and that's why you need to pursue it. That's a really great point, and Jed, I think that's, that's actually a good transition point. I, let's dig a little bit deeper into that, because one of the things we might have if we lived a judgment-free life and a judgment-free zone is a lot more time and energy for our stuff. No doubt. So how does that play into this? Well, I agree with every single thing that Glenn said. Um, first and foremost, judgment's a distraction. Um, and, you know, to me, and, and actually Lee referenced this verse just a couple minutes ago, when I read what Jesus said about judge not, which is where that, that idea of why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and ignore the log in your own, Jesus says, first, remove the log from your own eye, then you'll be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Um, what I see Jesus describing there, at least in part, is a distraction, that you are using this as a tool to avoid fixing things in your own life. And in my life, that's exactly what it is, for sure. And I think the the thing of it is uh, fixing stuff is really painful, and it's really hard, and I don't want to. And plus, judging other people feels great. So um, that feels like a win on two metrics, except for the fact that I'm never fixing the things in my own life, which means I keep on being a bull in a china shop, and I keep on causing huge problems for myself, and I keep on wrecking the good things that God is trying to give me. Um, I think it's it's worth looking at the idea. Um, there are all kinds of blessings God wants to bring into your life. He really, really does the moment you're ready for them. That's mm. the thing. Is uh, As we talk about a lot at the bridge, a blessing that you're not ready for is a curse. It's not a blessing. And um, all the stuff we do to distract ourselves is simply pushing off the day where we are ready for these blessings. That's that's what we're actually accomplishing. <laughs> that's bad. That is that is not good, man. But I think here's the thing is if we, if we get into the mode of handling our business, of working on ourselves and our own issues – what we're almost certainly going to develop is a certain degree of compassion and understanding. We yeah. recognize how we got into this trouble to begin with. We have to develop a certain degree of compassion for ourselves in order to move That's forward. Right. And we're probably going to end up applying that to other people because um, we recognize whether they're working on their issues or not. I know they come by them honestly. I know there's a reason why they struggle with their issues. If I were in their shoes, I'd probably be struggling with the same things. I think the funny thing is that judgment in a lot of ways, and this is what Glenn, I think, was describing with the idea of a judgmental-free zone, is we think of judging as discrete, concrete actions. You know, I had a judgmental thought about this person. I, I made a judgmental comment about this other person, and that, that's real. But judgment in a lot of ways is more a lifestyle. It's more an attitude and a worldview and a, and a holistic vision where I see myself as appointed as a commentator on the world around me. And man, there's a lot of that online. That's that's honestly, that's the bulk of social media. It's the bulk of the internet. <laughs> yeah, and that's a terrible way to live. That's just an awful way to live. God wants to give you a life that's full of blessings and full of new adventures, but it necessarily means not worrying about the nonsense everybody else is or isn't on and instead handling your own business, handling your own issues, developing that sense of understanding, developing that sense of compassion that you're inevitably going to apply to other people. If you start down that road, you may wind yourself just kind of leaving judgment behind forever. That's a good thing. That's where we want to wind up. That's a great point. And Leah, I'd love you to close yeah. this out by maybe let's continue to look at this idea of um, how judgment makes me feel uh, as you know, the one who gets to sit in the throne of judgment, which is a fantastic place to sit. Um, But there's also kind of a, a self, a a self-deception there because uh, the most judgmental people in the world I know would, uh, if you say, Oh, well you really hate that person. But, Oh, Oh no. I just, you know, I just think they need to, uh, you know, I, I, I really feel bad for them that they just blah, blah, blah. So there's a certain amount of honesty that maybe needs to happen on the front end here before we can push through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I absolutely love where the just the the pro, the kind of the progress of where these guys have brought this and I love how Jed ended on that that sense of empathy 
for yourself and other people. And I think that one thing that could really, really speed up that whole process is if we go ahead and allow ourselves to be honest about the things that we're feeling, which is, um, I hate this person. They are my enemy. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them a lot. Like just to go ahead and get that off your chest, to go ahead and say it out loud. There's, you actually speed up the whole process if you can be real about it. So I have a nine-year-old son and one of the things that I'm dealing with with him right now is that when he's really, really upset about something, he doesn't feel like he can say that out loud. And so he feels like he has to get those feelings in check. So if I'm like, I'm like, dude, are you are you, are you super upset about this thing that just happened? Then, I, you know, his eyes are red. I can tell he's kind of holding back tears. And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. And it's like, hey, you're OK to say that you're upset about it. Um, and, and in fact, if you go ahead and admit that you're upset about it, then we can talk about it and move forward. And he's like, no, no, I'm totally fine. It's like, hey, we can't get anywhere if you don't start with the totally honest piece of, I am mad about this and I'm mad about this person. And when it comes right down to it, I kind of hate him. Um, the thing that that frees us up to do is I think that we're afraid to kind of say that, that coldly or that or that completely or that honestly because what kind of a Christian just hates people? Well, Jesus actually talked about this. He said, love your enemies. And if he said, love your enemies, then he's accounting for the fact that at times you're going to have enemies. You're going to have people that drive you crazy. You're going to have people that are opposed to you, that are against you, and that you feel like you're against. The Psalms talk about this kind of stuff all the time these kind of honest emotions. And if we can be honest about this, then we can push through. And then, and, and in the process of actually figuring out, Lord, I'm mad about this and I'm upset about it. And so I'm going to try to figure out what you actually meant when you said to pray for your enemies. I guarantee you that the number of people who have actually honestly gone to Jesus and say, okay, I don't want to do it, but you're telling me to pray for my enemies. I kind of hate this person. So I'm going to try to figure out right now, me and you, what it means to pray for my enemies. I bet that number is super low. I bet it's super low. And I think Jesus welcomes that. I think he welcomes that honesty. And I think it's why he said it. And I think that if we engage that process, we would get to exactly where Glenn and Jeb were talking about, where we can actually start to, to, to come into some understanding. I love the way Jed said that if I, you know, the idea of like, I may not agree with what they did, but if I were in their shoes, would I have acted the same way? Would I have, would I have seen how their actions made sense? You know, the idea of, of believing that other people's actions make sense in their own brain from their point of view, that is an incredible step of empathy and understanding. And it's a place that we can get to if we can go ahead and be honest about the feelings that we have and take those to the Lord and allow him to change us or fundamentally change the situation so that we can approach it in a new way. But we got to start with being honest. I think it's all really fantastic stuff on uh, what... Is a, is a layered issue, is something you're going to have to work through as you get into what these guys are saying, but it's it's a simpler start than it seems. Um, we often kind of joke about uh, the Christian advice of the genre of, well, just don't. And uh, that, that doesn't work. It is it's more complicated than that, but there's a certain element of that to judgment. You know, uh, we, were, we were talking about this before our uh, bridge service on Tuesday. I, I, was, I was making the comparison of, if you know what I, people mean when they say an intrusive thought, which is a thought that just kind of uh, zips in your head. You don't have to entertain it. There's an old Martin Luther quote about how just because uh, birds are flying around your hair doesn't mean you have to let them make a nest. That's the idea. Uh, uh, look at him there with his face like a jerk. <laughs> um, that happens to everybody. The, the The choice that you have to make is to either really indulge that and really live in the fantasy of that as he's got to talk about. Use that as escapism about why this person's a jerk fate face person and well if I had those opportunities or if I could have done that I'd have I'd really gotten there differently. That's where um it's really really gets into something bad and that is a switch you flip. So one of the easiest things you can do is as uh, with any kind of temptation st start looking to notice when that's happening and then work from there. We're gonna jump to our second question here. It comes in to our Tumblr and it says What's the best way to deal with legalistic people, specifically online? You know, the ones who seem to value repentance way higher than unconditional love. I've tried, I tried discussing, but they tend to view anything I say 
as an attempt to weaken their faith. I keep trying to spread the good news of God's unconditional love, but man, these people are so loud and they never rest. I know I'm supposed to love them. They turn people away from Christ and they're not even nice. And Jed, a, a maybe a, an immediate uh, opportunity to look at this, not judging even people who seem to really deserve it because sure. they're driving people away from Jesus. But what, what's a better way to deal with this than uh, just raging about jerk face people? It's a great question. Let's start with an odd idea, a bit of thought experiment. Suppose that starting tomorrow, you woke up and there was a big tub of just amazing chocolate chip cookies sitting on your kitchen counter. And every single day when you woke up, there kept being a new tub of fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. At a certain point, I mean, you'd start by eating all of them. And you do that for a few days. But at a certain point, you'd be like, okay, well, I should probably try and figure out how to share these with the world. If they're going to keep appearing, I should, you know, hand them out. And I think your initial thought would be, I'm probably going to be the most popular guy in town. Because who doesn't love chocolate chip cookies? It's, people are going to be glad to see me coming. It's Cookie Dan. It's Cookie we Dan. We all love Cookie Dan. But... Pretty quickly, you discover, no, not really. There's all kinds of people, for all kinds of reasons, don't really want chocolate chip cookies. There's people that have medical conditions and really can't eat these. There's people that have made lifestyle choices where they only eat certain kinds of food and they, they don't want these. Some people, and I mean, I can't, I can't, I don't have words for people, but there's people who just don't like chocolate chip cookies. Evil people. Evil people. <laughs> then there's people that um, don't much care for the idea of some weird guy that's going around handing out free cookies. They're not really sure what your game or your angle is, What's man. What's in these cookies, man? Exactly right. What? <laughs> to be fair, writing cookie van on the side of your, uh, <laughs> your Chevy conversion van was uh, maybe not great marketing. So pretty quickly, you discover actually... There's a lot of people who are not interested in your cookies and are not happy to see Cookie Dan rounding the corner. I mean, it's weird that it would be true, but as we do the thought experiment, you can readily see that it's true. So you kind of, at that point, you have a few options you can do. One is trying to talk people who don't want your cookies into taking your cookies, which kind of defeats the whole purpose. That's weird. I mean, <laughs> oh no, you're going to take these cookies. You're going to have them. I, mean, that, I think we violated the spirit of chocolate chip cookies. Eat the cookie, Jed. Eat the cookie. Exactly. Oh, I don't want to now. <laughs> Eat it. <laughs> so we don't Get want- in the cookie Dan van. <laughs> Uh-oh. We, we don't want to do that. That could result in legal action. Cookie right? Dan and his cookie van. It sounded so whimsical when I thought it up. <laughs> this is a terrible mistake. That's option one. We got that. We don't want to do that because we don't want to go to cookie jail. Right. Option two is to say, you know what? Nobody gets cookies. If you don't want cookies, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn them. Every morning, I'm going to put them in a fire and burn them because right. you don't get cookies. All right. that You know what? It makes a certain emotional sense. We can get that you'd feel that way, but that that's wasteful. That's, that's a bad idea. Now, option three, which is the really rare option for some reason is I'm going to figure out who does want these. Right. Mm-hmm. There are people who would care about fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go find those people and I'm going to give cookies to them. They will be happy to receive the cookies. Perhaps in time they will grow to be glad to see Cookie Dan in his cookie right. van. And we'll just do business with one another. We'll be happy and we'll leave everyone else out of it. Now, if you have not, this is a thick metaphor. It'd be hard to see where I'm driving with all this. So if you if you haven't pieced it together yet, that's okay. Cookies, Because <laughs> you're in a cookie haze. You say, I keep trying to spread the good news of God's unconditional love, but I'm not getting a lot of takers. Yeah, that's that's life. Whoa, is this cookie story going to be about Jesus? That's right, bro. You know what would be really awesome? What? If you spread this metaphor out over 40 minutes and I had to sit in an uncomfortable chair while you mentioned it. <laughs> but your way is good, too. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, man, there's a lot of people who do not want to hear about the good news of God's unconditional love. I wish that weren't true, but they're- Including Christians. Including a lot of Christians. In fact, the bulk (laughs) of people who don't want to hear about it go to church on Sunday, just so you know. But there are other people who are desperate for Cookie Dan and his Cookie Van to show up and tell them about a God that loves them no matter what. What's before you is finding those people. Go to them. They will be happy to see you. They will be happy to hear from you. Share that love with them. Don't worry about the people who don't want it. People who don't want cookies don't get cookies. Don't worry about it. 
Take the gift God's given you. Take that good word. Find people who are ready for it and want it, and go give that good word to them. That's a really fantastic point. And Lee, I'd love to get you to to talk about the online aspect of of this sure. whole thing because there is an idea, and I've, I understand where it comes from. I understand why people look at it, but it, it is uh, critical to uh, what Jed gave us there is critical to understanding it correctly. This idea of there's all these legalistic people being jerks, and they're talking about Jesusy stuff, kind of. So that's that's killing the brand. It's killing the buzz. People who otherwise might come to know the Lord are going to be bummed about that. Most people who, uh, and we work with a lot of them, who uh, experience that kind of judgment from uh, church people, their thought is not, Jesus is probably bad. Their thought is, that guy's a jerk. Right. So we don't actually have to get in the uh, in the pit and deal with that. But they, there's that stuff that boils our blood. So what's a better online strategy? Yeah, the funny thing about the online stuff is... I mean, everybody's online. It's absolutely huge. There are so many people. And one of the things that I, I talk to young people about this all the time, because like a, a weird phenomenon, oddly with high school and some with college age folks, but definitely with high school folks, is they, they have a feeling of if somebody follows me on something, I have to follow them back. It's just rude not to. And, uh, and then if they behave badly... I have to stay engaged with that relationship. Uh, I, I can't unfollow them. I can't block them. I can't disengage. Um, I've got to stay in that thing because these are just the rules. And um, and one of the things that we're constantly telling the folks that we work with, uh, the young folks that we work with is, hey, if somebody behaves badly, um, you can just disengage. You can block that person. You can Say unfollow that. them. You don't have to deal with senseless drama. Um, I, I have, when it comes to online stuff, because I have, I have a life with some, you know, some real life, good and true friends. And then I have, there are folks on the online committee community who are awesome. The folks that listen to this podcast, the folks that engage us, uh, as listeners on Twitter and on the Instagrams and, and on Tumblr and that kind of stuff. I mean, we love y'all's, you know, just y'all's encouragement and all that kind of stuff. It's so great. But I have a one strike, one and done policy with uh, with any kind of senseless drama, with any kind of trolling, with any kind of political bad behavior, with any kind of uncoolness, unkindness. And it's not, I don't even tell you why. I'm just gone. You're blocked. Period. The end. I don't talk about it. It's just the unfollow. That's what you get. You just get the you get the unfollow or the block. And the great thing about that is, for for a lot of for a lot of young people, this seems like uh this seems like such a harsh thing. Here's the deal: there are so many people on the internet. That person's just gonna go behave badly to somebody else, and then you're done with them. You don't have to deal with that anymore. You don't have to engage it. You don't have to feed the trolls. You don't have to participate in that stuff whatsoever. If you're on like Facebook or something like that, and you've got, I mean, I do this with relatives, with everybody. Somebody gets, somebody gets out of line, we're done. Period. Yeah, I'm not going to see your posts anymore, or we're going to be blocked or blocking the number, whatever that thing is. Especially with this online stuff. That's a huge world out there. You do not have to engage it whatsoever. I love Jed's picture with the cookies. And the thing with the online thing is you do not have to mess with folks who are super uncool for whatever reason about what you're putting out there. And you can simply block them, unfollow them, disengage, don't feed those trolls. That is absolutely the way to go about that. And Glenn, what would you close us out with looking at here? Well, I first of all, I 100% agree with Lee on that, and I'm the exact same way. You, one really uncool thing, and it's just I literally the finger is hovering over unfollow <laughs> at all times. You know, uh, and that a, a part of what's going on there is I don't want to indulge that behavior. There's a lot of people in the world, they don't know how to make friends, they don't know how to express themselves well, and they need to learn a very powerful and very important lesson about this is not how you do that. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not looking to have frenemies online or something like that. Uh, so uh, part of that is helping people to understand I'm it's not that I disagree with you. 
It's that I don't want to have this conversation. That, I think that's the main thing we're trying to put out there. That's right. Because uh, I don't want to be in a fight with you. That The answer is no. Uh, it, it's not whether you have a point or not. It's I don't want to be in a fight with you. And I think it's hard for us to look past the nature of the fight itself. You, you want to just speak truth to the situation or whatever. Well, now you're in a fight. If you didn't want to be in a fight, why are you responding to the person? Give me a practical example of this. Uh, we ble- we are super blessed at, at the bridge so where we very, 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 very rarely have uh, someone who's just displeased with whatever it is that they're seeing. Now, it should also be said we're dealing with a lot of people who are right off the streets, some who are high, some are, you know, so... You would think we'd get a lot of that, frankly. Uh, and More it, often, we have people who are so pleased they are distracting. That's right. That's their own problem. Yeah, they want to. Yeah, they want to participate. They help. Yeah, that's right. So, it, but it happens. And um, the funny thing is, though, how often that is clearly an attempt to get attention more than expressing a thought. So you know, uh, we had uh, this was a while back now, but we had. Uh, someone who was at the service, and uh, they were just in a snit. This is just a, I'm just, I just can't, you know, I just don't like this. I can't even remember what, whatever it was. It was something what a pastor said that was like something you profoundly know, innocuous. And yeah, they just, just had it in their mind they were going to be offended. Yeah. How a, dare you, sir? That, that kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, uh, they happened to approach me with that. Uh, I just happened to be standing there. I don't think they knew I was in charge or anything. They were just... They were uh, trying to walk out, and you were by the door. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just, I'm just, I just, you know, I can't, I won't have it. I said, okay, let me walk you out then. It's like, well, well, are you kicking me out? No, you you were saying you didn't like the right. service, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm politely you know gonna walk with you and and wish you well. You 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 don't want to stay in the service, right? Because you you were saying you didn't like it. it but is that um, do I have that wrong? Did you did you want to stay because it's really not that bad? Is that is that where we're headed with this, or uh, or are you just in a snit and you want to leave? Because I'm I'm cool with. Either you way, know, you have to let me know where you're coming from, because it seems like you really want to stand here and talk, which I'd love to stand here and talk. We could do that. Yeah. But if you just hate it so bad, you got to go. Well, I'll walk you out. Well, you know, you, you, the, the look on this person's face, of like, <laughs> <laughs> man, this dude is reading my mail, you know, but it, you, you, we can get into these uh, moments where uh, people really want us to, uh, to engage with them, and we think, man, this is, I'm contending for the faith now, man. That's not what's happening. You are, you are feeding trolls, as, as Lee was rightly pointing out. Uh, but I want to touch on another thing that you're talking about here, which is I, I want to put a message out into the world. Weirdos come along and say bad stuff. Here's the right way to look at this. John uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, five the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it Mm. light banishes dark you you got a dark room you you light a match now you can see what's going on darkness doesn't snuff out light it goes the other way you have to have the that image of yourself that i don't have to silence people who are trying to be jerks on what i'm trying to say because nobody's listening to them and nobody cares (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> they only care about the light. They 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 care about what it is that you have to say. To say, L- last point on that: Who are you trying to reach? Yep. If you're trying to reach non-believers with the message of the gospel, they're gonna like it. Yeah, that's the good it's, news. That yeah, it's can, good news. It's good news. So you put it out there; they'll like it. If a Christian comes along and says something like a jerk, you stand out by contrast. And they like you all the better, so it all works great. If you're if you're trying to preach to the choir and the choir doesn't seem to be cooperating, there are a lot of jerks in the choir. Well, then you, that's that's where you're you're feeling that frustration of I just want a consensus behind what I'm saying, but that's not much of a mission here. 
the being online is a huge opportunity to be a witness to a great deal of people. If you put an encouraging, uplifting message out there, they're going to feel it no matter what anybody else says or does. Don't be distracted by that. Don't be put off by it. Don't engage with that. You keep on with what you're on because you're awesome and we want to support you. Amen. Absolutely right. Two two quick things I, I would tack on the end of this. One is, and this is an unpleasant thing, it's actually something, to be fair, that we uh, on the podcast and kind of as a bridge staff have been coming to terms with in the last couple of years, which is uh, we are not all on the same team. Yeah. Just because people are Christian or church, there's like, well, they're, uh, they're trying, if they knew that you could just not be a jerk and that would be a better way to present the gospel, they would do that. And, you know, it's, it's an educational moment. No, <laughs> they just, some people just really want to be jerks. Yeah. And, uh, as these guys are all pointing out, it's not, I'm not on the same team as them. I mean, they can claim the Christian thing. Funny thing is non-Christians never seem to see the people you hear on this podcast in the same boat as those people. They don't have any trouble. That's definitely true. Making that distinction. Yeah. They we we talk to people. We have, one of the more fun things for those of us in Chicago is describing what the heck we do as a job when we're in some kind of social situation. So we do, and always 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 starts out. Well, you know, it's a nonprofit, and we hope the guy's coming out of jail and whatnot. And they're interested now. We talk more, and oh, it's a religious thing. We give them hotel churches, and uh, almost universally, people go, "Oh, that's great. That's that's really neat. I like yeah. that." And th- these are not Christian people. This is not a Christian context. There's never that, yeah, but I heard a guy on TV say this one thing. Yeah. And he also ascribed to this religion. So well, why don't they, you answer for that? Yeah, they just assume we're on a different page from all that legalistic or weird stuff they, they see elsewhere. Absolutely right. So that's that's one thing. You don't really have to worry too much about getting wound up into all that. The other thing is, and it's a really interesting point you make, you say, uh, when I whenever I mention grace to these people, they act like I'm trying to weaken their faith. And I know what you mean by that. It's also an interesting thing, and it's, it's a good uh, paradigm to get your mind around. It, people are legalistic because they have weak faiths. People are legalistic, as we were talking about in one of the previous uh, questions, because they think without guilt and judgment and anger, it would all just go to hell. There would be no, how could you have a faith that wasn't based in hate and judgment? Uh, to the point where uh, Paul actually talks about this in First Corinthians, he's talking about in First Corinthians eight, he's talking about food that's sacrificed to idols, and he literally says there are people who are really legalistic about this, and that's because their their faith is too weak to deal with it. So the thing he says about it says if you're not that, that's great, but don't go flaunting your freedom in front of them because it's just gonna it's just gonna exacerbate them more. So that's that's another thing here to say, you know. It's we. It's great to you know, say I'm on the grace thing and I want to do that life freedom. To do that at legalistic people is not going to work. It's not showing them a better way. They're they're on their own journey. You know, we as much as they might be jerk faced people, if they if they've accepted Jesus's free offer of forgiveness, they're just as saved as we are. So they're they're working that whole thing out. But this idea, uh, you can get yourself a lot of freedom by by just onboarding the ideas that people really aren't going to be confused that you're the same as them if you don't say the same things they do. And the, this, this idea, and again, it's it's understandable because all these people seem to have a lot of, of volume and power, but uh, that's they're doing this for a reason. And it's not the one they would think, but the scripture is very clear that, you know, they're, they've not put off ch- a childish understanding of this thing yet. They're not they're not don't have a faith that's strong enough for grace. So when you see it that way, you get a lot less anger going and a lot more uh, pity going, which it may be a better way to come at that from. It certainly makes it a little easier to live with for us. So we're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says very simply, what scriptures can I look to when it comes to forgiving myself? And Lee, why don't you kick us off? I'd love to. Um, I, I want to. I would like to point you to uh, Matthew chapter 18, specifically... Uh, there's a place where Peter is asking uh, Jesus about forgiveness, and and he says, you know, basically, how much, how many times should I forgive somebody if they if they sin against me? Um, and what I'd like to do is just kind of in looking at this, you know, Peter's kind of saying, okay, somebody's sinning against me. How many times should I forgive them? Well, we can kind of take that and say, uh, you know, in other words, somebody's let me down. So how many times should I kind of let them off the hook? Well, we could talk about forgiving ourselves in the same kind of sense. I've let myself down. Um, how do I get over that? 
Jesus answers Peter by telling him a story. He says, okay, so there was a, there was a guy who, uh, a guy that was a boss of some people, and he had loaned uh, one of his employees a bunch of money. The guy couldn't pay the debt back. He forgave the debt. And then that guy, the recently forgiven guy, goes out, and he found somebody that owed him like a tiny little bit of money, and he had that guy arrested until he could pay the debt back. And the master finds out about it, and he's like, well, how am I going to forgive you this huge debt? And, and you can't even forgive this brother this, this little debt that he had against you. And the whole idea behind Jesus' story is, um, look, uh, you are not holier than Jesus. And if Jesus is saying you are forgiven, then... Um, you know, if, if Jesus is willing to forgive you, you should be willing to forgive somebody else. I think that what happens is, is that for a lot of us, we have this, we have this internal expectation that I was going to be awesome this time. And we have disappointed ourselves. And that emotion is so difficult to deal with. And so we just feel like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I can believe that God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. And the reason I can't forgive myself is I really wanted to do this differently this time. I really thought this time I was going to make this work. And the truth is, is that, you know, probably you've got one specific thing in your, in your mind that, you know, one specific thing that, you, that you've done or that you do repeatedly, who knows what that could possibly be, that you feel shame or embarrassment about. And of course, Jesus, meanwhile, knows all kinds of stuff about us, all kinds of convoluted, polluted mess and our, you know, manipulative, selfish, all kinds of stuff. He's forgiving the whole lot of it. And we're kind of hung up on this one thing where we've disappointed our own expectations. And I think part of this has to do with kind of coming down from this place where we expected ourselves to be awesome or impressive or that we were going to be able to do this well and being able to see ourselves as people who need a lot of mercy, need a lot of forgiveness, just like we were talking about in the, in the previous episode. And then we can kind of look at ourselves, have mercy on ourselves and accept that forgiveness and realize I'm not holier than Jesus. I don't have a stricter expectations than the Lord has of me. And if he can forgive me for that, then I can forgive myself. But I would point you to that parable and say, yeah, this in the parable that Jesus tells in Matthew 18, it's between two people. But I feel like we have that same conversation and that same confusion within the same person from time to time. That's a really fantastic place to start off. Jed, what would you have on this? I totally agree with everything that Lee said. Here, here's a passage that I would offer to you, and I think uh, Great Mind Sinclair, Glenn and I picked the same one. So this is a, a Philippians 3.13. Um, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God for sure wants us to let go of the past. There's no question about that. And to do that, functionally speaking, does mean to forgive yourself. Uh, there's no question about that. And, and Lee was already pointing this out, and I just want to underline what he's saying. If you want to forgive yourself, a big part of that is understanding your own story. Uh, that's, that's really how that works. You know, um, there's, there's an old French saying, which is to understand all is to forgive all. When you understand why people uh, did what they did, you're 95% of the way to forgiving them already. Uh, and that applies to yourself, too. I think um, the funny thing is we have a way of looking at stuff we really, really regret. You know, we let somebody down. We let ourselves down. We, we made a mess. We hurt people that we love. And two things happen. First, we feel like the easiest explanation is just that we're awful. We're just terrible and the worst. And second is, I think that subconsciously we feel like in some way we are making up for this egregious wrong by punishing ourselves, um, by by labeling ourselves terrible and, and awful and no good, and that at least in some way that respects the wrong that we have done. But it doesn't. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, mm -hmm. as, as Glenn uh, rightly often points out, uh, dude, if I burn your house down and immediately build you a new one, we're still not even. You know, I, 
I still burned your house down. That's just, there's, there's no, there's no erasing the past. There, there's no getting around that. But I think the thing that we fall into so often with stuff is the dark, hairy sin of lazy analysis. I can't tell you how many problems in people's lives come from not thinking a situation all the way through, not thinking what it, what caused it all the way through or what it implies and what it don't apply. It doesn't apply. I think we have a way of just saying, nope, only a bad person would do that. And I did it. Therefore I'm a bad person. End of story. That's not how anything in life works, man. Here, we work with a lot of people who've made a lot of mistakes to the point where there's a public record of them. And here's what I found consistently every single time to that person in that moment, that seemed like the only reasonable choice. Right. And that's why they did it. Most people are making about the best decision they know how to do pretty much all the time. Now you say, yeah, but they did awful things. Yeah. And it didn't happen overnight. There was, there was a road that, that let them there. There was a road that, that, that led to that destination for you. I think you need to understand your story. I think you need to understand how you got to the mess that you were in. And you need to understand that for a few reasons. First, if you want to forgive yourself, that's the path. That's how you do that. Second is the things you learn from that will keep you out of similar trouble in the future, which is really important. Uh, there's that saying about those who don't know the past are doomed to repeat it. Uh, that, that applies to your own life, just so you know. Um, But the third thing is the lessons you learn there will help, will allow you to help other people. They will allow you to minister to other people to not judge them, but to instead offer them empathy and sympathy and compassion. And that's a way that you can turn this thing around from not just getting rid of something bad in terms of forgiving yourself, but to something good, where now we're able to show love and compassion and mercy to other people. Really fantastic. And Glenn, where'd you close this out? Well, I really want to build on really the, the, the trajectory of what these two other men are, are, are directing us on, because what we're really looking at is a lack of ability to forgive yourself pertains to how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you if you uh, are are wallowing in that and saying I'm a worm, that well that tracks that makes sense of how you got to this mindset. But what's funny is I I think the opposite thought gets us to the same place. If you say I'm pretty holy, I you know I, I if it wasn't for these couple of sins, I'd probably be perfect. You're going to get into the same constant negativity on yourself because you constantly are imperfect. Uh, I want to cultivate an, an attitude within myself that I am not shocked that I sinned. That's right. Uh, I I should not find that surprising. Uh, it, if I do, I'm in a prideful place. So if you feel ashamed, if that's where you're at right now, here's what the Bible says. Proverbs 11, verse 2, When pride comes, then comes uh, shame. But wisdom comes to those who are not proud. That's everything Jeb was just talking about. So I, I have this pride, and uh, I'm putting myself up on a pedestal. Then reality hits, and my imperfection uh, happens, and then I feel ashamed. Uh, but then wisdom can, if I receive wisdom, I'm never up on that pedestal because I don't see myself as nearly perfect. <laughs> And uh, I'm able to be forgiving of myself and forgiving of other people because I have that understanding that Jed was talking about. So all that is in that verse, when pride comes, shame follows, but wisdom comes to those who are not proud. That's Proverbs 11, 2. I'd add to that uh, Hebrews 6, 1, uh, because I think this really might pertain to a lot of people listening to this podcast. Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. That's where a lot of people are here. You've heard the basic stuff. You're ready to really grow and take it to the next level. So what is extreme with an X, but not an E? It's an X <laughs> dash dream. Yeah, that's right. That's the good one. Right. So if you want to be an This ex- podcast brought to you by the year 1997. <laughs> right. You want to be an extreme, Chris. You want to take it to the next level. That's what this verse is about. Uh, uh, Hebrews 6.1, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ be taken forward to maturity. Here's what that is. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. I'm going to repeat that part. Don't lay again the foundation of repentance. He's saying you repented that we... that Here's what's covered by repentance. 
I am a sinner, past, present, and future. <laughs> I need to be forgiven of that, past, present, and future. Now that I've received that forgiveness, I need to work on my funkiness and being less funky with myself. That's the mission. That's how we're moving forward. I don't need to lay again a foundation of repentance in the sense of I don't need to just keep saying, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to be perfect from now in. I can't, now on, I can't believe it. I did another one. Let me repent all over again because I thought I was never going to do any sin again. That's not a mature understanding is what the Bible is saying there, that we need to move beyond those things and say, you've repented, you have a relationship with God that is a sinner to a perfect God, and there is love, and there is forgiveness, and there is grace, there is a unity with you and that God, so that we don't need to go back and do repentance, 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 as as if something has been broken every time that I sin, I need to move forward in this relationship with God and saying, okay, I am broken. I am messed up. I have made mistakes. I This is who I am, but I need to move past that. I need to grow past that. I We, we have an understanding of my flaws. We don't need to go over that again and again, relay that, because that's our foundation. That's what the Bible is saying. You have a foundation of, of repentance. This whole thing is based on, I am a sinner. So that's that's already baked in. We can move forward from there. Uh, so I think I would really encourage you, if you want to grow, you want to move forward, that's a big part of it, is saying, I need to build something on this foundation of repentance. <laughs> I need to, to, to have a, an understanding of that and be rooted in that, but I need to be growing this whole thing based on my intimacy with God. I think it's a really great point. I'd, I'd throw one more verse in there that builds on exactly what Glenn is talking about. This is Galatians 5, 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Uh, and Paul kind of goes on to talk about this. It's, it's again about, he goes on the rest of the chapter to kind of talk about people who are trying to uh, say, well, yeah, I'm saved, but what if I did this other religious stuff? Wouldn't that be like, wouldn't that really seal it? So the idea, I, I really like that, that very kind of peculiar phrase, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. These guys are saying part of, of what we do when we come to this self-condemnation, this, uh, this, this guilt stuff, a lot of that comes up when you just, it fills a vacuum. If the, oh, your only understanding is going to saying is of your spiritual life is I'm a worm and God has deigned to put off crushing me kind of cause he had to, it's not like you really likes me, but you know, there's, there's a loophole in the thing and he wanted to save all those other people. But I was like, I got bundled in the, you know, players to be named later in this trade here. That's not going to go real well for you. It's not going to feel great. So, um, to actually get in that forward motion to do some things, to have some aspects to your spiritual life, to your Christian walk that are not just, I do bad things and God doesn't crush me, but like, I do good things that God wants me to do, and I have a relationship, and we talk. So to build on more of that gives that foundation. It's one of those things, as as Glenn's talking about, it's kind of, as all these guys are talking about, it's kind of a a both-and thing, that as you feel that freedom, you use that freedom, and that gives you more of it, and then you kind of start worrying not so much about condemning yourself. Okay, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're taking out the song this week. It's been a little while since we've had a Lee Younger song. And here we tell one of hey. Lee's songs called Changing Me. You'll take out Ooh. that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say that podcast issuing a statement that our podcast fans are cooler than your podcast fans. Woo. So affirmed. Oh. <laughs> well, I thought that knowing you meant walking a straight line. But what good would that do for a heart as dark as mine? I've never been so glad to be
of you that I am changing It's not what I can do But that you love me Well it's all because of you That I am changing Well it's not what I can do 